right, we are in 1 Corinthians 16 this morning, and we are finishing our series in Corinthians, and today we're going to be looking at the topic of money. And it's the second time you'll have heard me speak about money this year, and it probably won't be the last. So, look, repetition is good for you. It helps you build um, formation. And one of our goals as Gateway Church is that is to equip you to be able to be a disciple of Jesus, to be able to follow him. And I am really passionate about that. And so it's important then for that we talk about the things that are important in our lives. And one of those is money, how we view money, how we earn money, how we save money, how much we spend. That's vitally important. I'm also aware, though, approaching the topic of giving and of, of money, that we are in a cost of living crisis that we were in when I spoke about this six months ago and we'll probably be in for a while. And we've all felt the pinch, right? We've felt the pinch as a family on our own income and our own kind of like what we have. Considering the current temperature, it might be a bit strange to think about walking the, around the house in your coat, but that is what I was doing a few months ago. Um, I definitely wouldn't be doing that today. Um, many of us have drafty houses and so that's just like necessity, wasn't it, in the winter, trying to save as much money as possible. And everything just costs more. I was shopping yesterday despairing at the cost of cucumbers in the shop. You think, like, goodness me, like, everything seems to cost more money. We are blessed as a family, and I, I speak from a point of blessing in that um, Claire, my wife, as a teacher, has been able to pick up extra time at work, um, and also our, we, we are blessed in that we can afford a house, and our mortgage isn't up for renewal yet. But I, I'm aware, I stand here this morning aware that that is not the case for many of you, that, that um, you might be renting a property and the rent's gone up, you might have a mortgage that's just, just gone up, and so... Like time and money and everything is pressurized at the moment. So one response we could have is let's just not talk about it. <laughs> let's, we won't talk about money because it's so it's difficult at the moment. But I don't think that that's what we should be doing. In fact, I think we should be talking about it more, right? I think that when we hit those hard moments, rather than ignoring them as a church community, we need to talk about it. I think it's important. And so last time out when I spoke on this, I spoke about motivation for giving. Um, but if you weren't here at the time, or if you're a guest here this morning and you don't know Jesus, let me just talk a little bit about what Christians think about money and, and, how, and how we approach giving and money as, as Christians. Also, if you want to follow along with what I'm saying today, um, if can we pop up the next slide? I've, I've done the QR code thing I did again last time. I've even got a, like, a cool thing for it this time. Look at that. Um, let me just talk, talk to you as I go through this then. So, look, we believe that, as Christians, that the kind of the big story is that we believe that everybody has rebelled against God either through the things that you do, the actions that you have, or the inactions, the things that you don't do. Each one of us has rebelled against God. And we all need to be reconciled to him. We need to have that relationship that's broken down through the things that we do or don't do that are against his ways, restored. We all need that relationship to be restored. And the thing is about all of us is that we were all designed for this relationship with God. And if we don't have that relationship with God because we're still in rebellion against him... What ends up happening is we end up looking for things to satisfy us and for things to, to help us try and fill a hole that that relationship should be filling in our lives. You were designed for a relationship with Father God. God comes to sort this situation out in sending his son Jesus into the world. Jesus becomes man, fully man. And he lives a life without any rebellion against God, in utter devotion to him. He doesn't rebel against God at all. And through his death and his resurrection, we then, as Christians believe, we have a substitute. One who has lived a life that we were not able to live. And his death is more than just a substitu substitution for a good life. His death is also a substitution for a punishment that we were due to receive over us because of our rebellion against God. So Jesus comes to be the one who takes away our punishment against our sin, but also he comes to live the life that we could not live. 
So now, as Christians, we believe we've got a new relationship with God. This is the fundamentals of our faith. Our rebellion, our sin is forgiven, and we have new lives that are made new. But better than that, God ceases to be just a creator, and he becomes our father. We're obviously on Father's Day today. And it's only within the context of understanding God as father and the relationship that we now have as Christians that we can even start approaching the topic of money. Because our faith isn't about trying to earn God's approval or trying to buy ourselves into his good books. We as Christians don't believe that we, there's anything that we can do to earn God's favour. In fact, actually, we lost it completely when we rebelled against him. The only thing we can do is put our faith in the one who has earned God's favour, and that is his son, Jesus. Our faith is about living into the identity, however, that he gives us. And as sons and daughters of God, we believe that our father is the one who owns absolutely everything. It says in the Psalms that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. I don't know what a cattle on a thousand hills looks like, but I imagine it's a lot of cows, right? I guess. It also says elsewhere, maybe, maybe more helpful, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so we want to listen to what God says about how we should use the money we earn and what we should do with it. And we don't want money to control us as Christians. We want to be able to use it in a way that others learn God's generosity over them. So if you're looking for a church, if you're looking for a church, you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I hope that even this morning, what you'll see amongst us is that we believe in a generous God who wants to show you generosity, also that you see that we model that in the way that we are as a church community. So the way that we want to be is we want to be generous with those who are with us. Right, anyway, so that's the kind of the formal part in terms of just understanding this as we get here. But let's read 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 to 4 together, and I'll explain this to you. It's very short. So 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 4. Now, about the collection of the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, first of all, if you've been with us for the whole Corinthian series, and as I said, this is the last week in it, if you've been with us for the whole series, what you'll have found out is that this is a massive crunching gear shift from what he's just been speaking about. So Richard spoke about chapter 15 a few weeks ago, and Paul was talking about the resurrection, and now he starts talking about money. You go, well, that's a bit strange. Well, it's not strange if you think that what he's doing in his letter to the Corinthians is writing a letter to a response that he's been, he's, he's writing a response to a letter he's received from them. They send him a letter, and what we have is his response to them. And so verse 1 of chapter 16 says, about the collection of the Lord's people. Paul's going, you wanted to talk about this, so let's talk about it. And what's going on here? Well, we, we've learned about this situation that Paul's talking about elsewhere in the New Testament. You'll read about this in 2 Corinthians. The whole of chapters 8 and 9 are about this particular issue. And also Romans uh, 15, 23 to 33 as well. What's happening is that the church in Jerusalem have, are struggling to deal with the amount of people living in poverty amongst them. And so what Paul does is he rallies every single church that he's planted or has involvement with, and he says, guys, we need to give in to the need of this particular community. So that's the, the kind of the grand story. It's also slightly ironic that we learn, we, we have more written about this one particular issue in this church than we do loads of other big theological topics in the New Testament. But it's, I, I would say, 
what we need to understand about that is every time Paul mentions this, we learn more about how we as Christians should deal with money today. Um, if you were going to kind of narrow down these verses and talk about them in a very paraphrasy type of way, Paul basically says, okay, we've got this issue in Jerusalem, so set aside some money, choose some trustworthy messengers, and when I turn up in Corinth, I'll either give you my letters of introduction to say you can trust these guys who are bringing the money, or I'll come with you myself. That's basically what he gets out. And so you could say, okay, well, that's everything that's going on here. Let's just ignore that and move on to the next part of of 1 Corinthians 16. But that's not what I think we should be doing. Paul says in 2 Timothy that every part of Scripture is God-breathed. And so we need to realize that there are some things here that are principles that we can employ in our lives to be able to um, become stewards, wise stewards. And I think that's the central idea that we learn here, that God wants you and I as Christians to be wise stewards of the money that he gives us. That's collectively true of us as Gateway Church, but it's also true of us as individuals. Well, what's a a steward? Well, imagine for a moment, and Jesus actually uses a parable that's just like this. Imagine for a moment you go away and you ask somebody to look after your house for you while you're away. Okay? They could do a good job of that or they could do a bad job. You might turn back up to your house and all of your plants have died. The cat's not been eating for three weeks. You might find that in the situation. Or you might turn back up again and find that everything's been well looked after, the cat's fatter than ever. Yeah, so you would be wisely stewarding what that person had asked you to do if you were doing that, and you would be poorly stewarding it if you forgot all about it. Does that make sense? Or worse still, maybe you cleared the contents of the house out and sold it all on eBay for them. Um, That would not be good stewardship. Stewardship is about taking care of something that belongs to somebody else. God has called us to be wise stewards because everything that you have doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. And if we're going to steward wisely, we need to realize that money must find its place as a tool that is useful for the kingdom of God and not an idol to overtake your heart. We need to ensure money is serving God and we are not serving money. It's really important that we learn that. And when we give on Sundays, I mean, this is like probably one of my main points. When you give on a Sunday, you are not giving to Gateway Church. You are giving your money to God. I, believe, I, I fundamentally believe that anything that you give into the offering here on Sundays is not being given to us. It's being given to him. Then we need to be the people who steward that finances wisely. Does that make sense? That's my attitude to money. When I give every month, I'm not giving to Gateway Church. Well, I am because I'm putting the money in the bank account. But my heart is, God, this is yours. Does that make sense? We have to have that understanding. We have to have that understanding. So what does it look like to be a wise steward? Well, there are five things up on the screen. And I think Paul, we can learn from Paul's comments here five things that it means to be a wise steward. Firstly, that we need to be those who remember the poor. Secondly, we need to be trustworthy with what he's given us. And then there's three things, I think, for each of us that we need to give regularly, we need to give proportionally, and we need to give generously. And so the first two things I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about them in relation to us as a church community. And the final three things I'm going to speak about very briefly in relation to us as individuals. So the first thing that Paul is really pointing out here, and he says this in Galatians as well, Galatians 2. He says we need to remember the poor. We need to remember the poor. You need to give this money to the church in Jerusalem because they are struggling. We need to look after them. Does that make sense? We need to remember the poor. We are called to be a community. So as, and I spoke spoke about this last time, as you gain in life, as maybe you get that promotion or you get that, you, you are able to, that 
it may well be that you've got more money that you could give to somebody who doesn't have it. You could bless somebody in the church community. So in community, those that have can bless those that don't have. And as those that don't have become those that have, they can bless those that don't have. We're in community together. And our church is aimed at being like this. We want to remember the poor in everything we do. So every ministry we run as a church is a, 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 a ministry that is accessible to anybody, no matter what their income is. So, for example, give a gift at Christmas. We did 1,500 presents for people who don't have anything uh, to be able to give their children um, at Christmas. We run the free store, which is just free stuff to be able to take if you need it, and that's being used and utilised by many already. Our ESOL classes, um, we want to make sure that they're accessible to people so that if you're a refugee coming into this country and you don't have the opportunity to learn English, there is a space that you can do that. Our chronic pain group, again, it's accessible to anybody. If you're struggling with a long-term illness, you don't have to pay for support. You can come and find support within Christian community. And our parent and baby toddler group, like, it's amazing how many, like, parents and children there are in this building every Thursday. And again, it's because we want to bless people with what we've received. So on this note then, remembering the poor, we are trying to do this as a church community constantly through all the things that we run. But I just felt challenged on this for you, really, have you got an idea for a project? Is the, are you burning with the justice of God to do a project in our community to help poor people, to help people who maybe are socially dis, socioeconomically disadvantaged? Maybe you've got a heart for that and you've got an idea. Come and share it with me. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear your idea. Um, we'd want to you know, look at what that might be and pray into it and see whether it's God's will for us. Secondly, are you as an individual remembering the poor in your life? Maybe me mentioning this to you is making you go, oh, I don't do that enough. I don't do that enough. I don't think about those who don't have around me. I, I, I put it out of my brain. And just recently, we try, like, just uh, finally on this point, recently I, I was on a, um, a call with, so we're part of a group of churches called Catalyst, and Catalyst now has over 700 churches around the world, um, which it, we're also part of a wider thing called New Frontiers as well, but just within our kind of small section of it, we've got 700 churches around the world. And I was chatting to uh, one of the pastors at the churches in Kenya who we relate to, and they've had this horrendous drought there that, that they had, and, and it, like coming out of that, they are coming out of that, but it's been really hard work. And so we, as a church, we gave them a gift of £3,000. The leadership, we decided that this was the right thing to do, to just to bless them. No, no strings attached to it, but in relationship with our brothers and sisters elsewhere. Again, so when the, the earthquakes happened in Turkey and Syria, we have churches there. We raised an offering to get that, and we gave it into it, and that money is being used to house people and to feed people. We are directly responding to what Paul is writing here in 1 Corinthians 16. Does that make sense? We want to do that, to make sure that those in the body of Christ elsewhere are not going without. So that's the first thing. We need to remember the poor. Secondly, why stewards are trustworthy with the resources that they've been given. Paul speaks about sending messengers out that can be trusted Sending messages out that can be trusted. And too often, churches are not transparent about how much money they receive and what they do with it. And in fact, some churches will say, give us your money. I say, give God your money. Right? It's important that you hear the distinction. If a church doesn't model trustworthy stewardship, which is what we see in the news so often, how can you as an individual Christian be expected to do the same? And we've all seen stories of pastors being paid like rock stars, or leaders swindling congregations, and it makes my blood boil when I see those things. However, you and I hear less, but it's equally true, if not more prevalent, of, the, of many churches that hold on to lots and lots of money and they don't do anything with it. Their bank accounts are full to the brim and they're not sure what they're meant to do with the money. 
Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't save money or have reserves. In fact, we do both of those things as a church. And as we, we will, at some stage, approach another building project, because as you can see, we're already full. As we do that, we will need to save money for that. But we're saving it for purpose. The difference is, is when churches don't save for anything, they fill up storehouses, they don't know what to do with it, and they neglect the harvest field outside. And we need to be a church community who recognises that our primary function is to fulfil the Great Commission that, that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28. And we're to go into all nations and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Our finances need to be geared towards that. And as Gateway Church, we need to wisely steward what he has given us into his kingdom purposes for us as a church community. So look, I put this up on the screen just to help you. Um, so April 2022 to March 2023, we had around roughly slightly over that actually £375,000 given to the church. And as percentages, what did we do with that money? Well, 53% of that money went to internal things and 47% of that money went externally. So children and youth, mission and giving away to other people. I would like to see this year that reverse the other way around. So we are giving more away than we are being able to use internally. Does that make sense? But I'm just being, I want to be transparent with you. Because ultimately, like, you, you need this model for you. You need to realise that we take it, a responsibility on us as an organisation to recognise that the money that we receive is God's and we need to steward it wisely. And you're part of that as well. There's nothing hidden here in that way. As I said, you can go and look at the breakdown of our finances if you want to. So we need to model trustworthy stewardship. You need to model it in your life. The final three things I want to talk about briefly now are what it looks like to, for you to do this in your own life. So firstly or thirdly, depending on how you want to look at it, you are called to give regularly. Paul makes it very clear with the Corinthians that they should set aside a sum of money, saving up ready for when he comes. God is inviting you to steward the resources that you've given to him regularly. And I think as you do that, regular giving is important because it helps you to learn organisation. If you don't manage money well, maybe you're a person, you're sitting here, and this will be some of us, it might be quite a lot of us, maybe you, it disappears more quickly than it seems to come into your pockets. It's like there's holes everywhere. If, if that's you, you're never going to have any thought of giving anything back to God because it's, there's this disorganisation in your life. We need to be organised about it. Giving regularly to God means that you have to get organised. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of disorder, but he's a God of peace. God creates order out of chaos of creation as well. He's the God who creates order. And we need to recognise that he wants us as his children to demonstrate organisation well. So perhaps you don't give to God because you don't have a budget. Can I encourage you to get a budget? We run a budget spreadsheet at home. It's very boring. It is. I'm an, I was an art teacher. I don't, this stuff, this is not natural to me. Organisation does not come naturally to me. Like, it doesn't, Claire, um, we would say to you as well, it doesn't come naturally to either of us, does it? We have to, we have to learn, we've had to learn how to do this because we want to steward wisely what God's given us. We have to learn and it, and it takes time and you're going to get it wrong sometimes. Do your budget. If you don't budget, get, go on the internet. I did it the other day just to test what I was saying. There are loads of online budget spreadsheets you can, you can download. Find one that's helpful. Secondly, maybe today you are sitting here in debt that is not God's best for you. And we want to help you with that. I'm not going to help you by giving you loads of money. We want to help you by helping you get out of that debt, by learning how to budget, learning how to use the resources that God's given you. 
We would want to help you with that. I wouldn't want anybody in our church community to be secretly in loads of debt and not telling anybody about it. We would want to support you in that and help you walk free from that. Okay? Because that, God wants your life and life in all its fullness. And if you're tie, tied to the shackles of debt, it's, it can be an awful situation. And if that is you, please contact me directly and I will, I, we will look to see how we can help you as an individual. Does that make sense? Okay? We need to give regularly. Fourthly, we need to give proportionally. Quite a lot of Christians talk about tithing. Um, and it's an idea that comes from the Old Testament. And it's a way of defining our giving to, giving to God as a percentage of money. And there is both good and bad about using the terminology of tithing. I don't particularly like it. Because I think there's lots of negatives to it as well that sometimes we don't really realise. Tithing is a good principle, so the good of it is a good principle in that it helps us define a percentage of money that we should give. And so actually in our kind of... In our world, like Claire and I have just spoken about us a little bit already, in our family life, I try and budget like this. So I, I give 10%, we save 10%, and we spend 80% a month. That's how we work out, 10, 10, 80. It's a quite a helpful kind of model to, to, to go with. And so in that way, you could say, well, we're tithing because we're giving 10%. But I would say it's a good starting point, but it's not necessarily the end point. Because tithing can actually lead to some quite unhelpful things as well. First of all, if you're new to giving, if this is the first time anybody's ever spoken to you about this, maybe 10% of your income, gosh, that sounds like so much money. That's a lot of money. And I think Paul teaches us, everywhere he speaks about money, that you give in proportion to the faith that you have. So you need to go to God, you need to have a conversation with him and say, God, what have I got faith for? And you commit to that sum of money. And then in six months' time, you need to say, okay, I did this for six months, how, what was the effect on my life? And you'll go, oh, it had no effect. In fact, actually, I feel better as a result of doing it. And then you'll find that you're able to do it more. So 10% can feel like a lot. 10% also, on the other hand, can be way too little. It can be way too little. Maybe, you know, in the Old Testament, if you add up all the tithes of the Israelites, it comes to like 25% of what they, what they earn. It's a lot more than 10%. And tithing was never meant to be an obligation for people, but it was meant to be an act of their hearts to God. It's like, I'm going to give you God what I have. It was never meant to be, oh, you, you must give 10%. That's why Jesus is like so sarcastic with the Pharisees. You you're tithing the, the, the herbs in your cupboards, but you don't care about poor people. Tithing was never meant to be about a, a certain percentage of money, says Jesus. It's about an act of the heart, and, and it's an act of faith. So some of us have been blessed financially, and for us, giving 10% of our income isn't difficult. Oh, to be in that position, and some of you are in it. And again, you have to approach money with an attitude of faith. What do I have faith for? So an application here is, I suppose, to suggest to you, think about how much faith you have to give regularly. And lastly, God calls us to be generous. God calls us to be generous. The, wise, the, the last principle about being a wise steward is leaning into a heart of generosity. You can only do that sustainably if your generosity flows out for your understanding of God's the Father's generosity over you as an individual. If you don't have that in place, what will happen is gradually you'll start off, if you don't understand that God is a generous God and he's given you everything you need, your acts of generosity will become, gradually they'll become something that you despise because it will become an obligation rather than from a heart of joy because you're giving as a child of, of God. And one way you can grow in that area and maybe break that a little bit and start to learn it is start to give secretly to people in need. It's a great way of growing in generosity. What about if you find out somebody is struggling and you just put some, an envelope through their door with some money and don't tell anybody about it? You'll start to learn about the Father's delight for generosity if you do that. So some application points for us this morning. 
Are you giving to God regularly? Are you giving enough that it stretches your faith in the Father who has everything? Is it time for you to sit down, either as an individual, if you're single, or with your spouse, if you're not, and to review your giving? Are you giving with an attitude of generosity and a heart for the kingdom of God? Because if not, maybe you need to review your heart towards giving. And lastly, how are you remembering the poor? Um, Giving at Gateway, you can do this in, in four different ways. And look, as I said, you're giving at Gateway, but you are giving to God. If you call Gateway the place that you worship, if you say, this is my church community, this should be where you give your money to God. Okay, this is, the, I mean, just like go through the Bible. I'll show you everywhere where, where that would be true. This is the, 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 the local place, the local community for you. And this is where you should be giving your offerings to God. And so you can do that in four ways. You can do that for a standing order. You can do that through um, the website, um, and you can do it via, via your banking app. And again, that is an act of faith. If you want a standing order form, they're over on the welcome desk. They're always there. I've not just put them out for today. Um, they're there for you, okay? And we don't talk about this all the time, because I don't think it's healthy to talk about it all the time. But when we do talk about it, I want to talk about it well to you, because I, I genuinely believe that God the Father wants you to experience a fullness of a relationship with him as Father, and that he wants you to lean into his lifestyle as a generous God. And he wants you to learn generosity. And I believe as you do that, there's a blessing over your life. Jesus says that we, we're not to store up ourselves, for ourselves treasures here, but treasures in heaven. There is a blessing coming to those who learn generosity, not right now, but in the age that is to come. Okay? So, right, we're going to pray, I'm going to invite the band up, and then we're going to worship God. And we're also going to take up our offering as well, because that's kind of a good response to a talk about money, isn't it? ironically. Right, let's pray, shall we? Oh, Lord Jesus, I just, I thank you that you came, that we might have relationship with Father God. Father, we thank you that you are the God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. You are the Father who has everything. And Father, I pray for anybody in our church family today who is in need. Lord, we pray that you might help us to love them and care for them. Lord, we pray that you might help us as a church community to meet their needs. Lord Jesus, I pray that anybody in our church family today who's in debt, Lord, I, I pray, Lord Jesus, for them that you would give them the courage to step forward and say, I am struggling with debt at the moment and I need some help. And Lord, I pray for each of us. Lord, I pray that you would have our heart um, in everything, whether that's what's in our back pockets or that's how we deal with other people. Lord, we want you to have everything of us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us even this week about what we're giving, Lord, and that we would have faith for it, Lord Jesus. And lastly, I pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't know you. Jesus, I pray that they would have heard my heart this morning. Lord, that we belong to God. And that we want, we want him to have everything and all of us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that that would be a blessing to them this morning as well. Amen. Let's rise and sing, shall we? Stand and sing, and then we'll take up offering.